with breaking news and political commentary from a public servant, serial entrepreneur, community leader, philanthropist, and American patriot, and a darn nice guy. It's time for the Grassroots Truthcast and your host, Gene Valentino. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Gene Valentino's Grassroots Truthcast. Each week we do this show with our intention is to bring to you issues of political import, social importance, social political issues of the day is what I'm trying to say, issues that pertain to you and your way of life. Now, the guy sitting next to me here is Bill Moore. He's a candidate for U.S. Congress, uh, Congressional District Number 7. He's running as a Republican against uh, seated Abigail Spanberger from the area. And she she is about to be replaced by this guy. Bill is not only a, a business associate, but he's also a, a friend in full disclosure. Known him when he was, <laughs> since his earlier days, I admit I've got a few years on you, Bill. Bill, thanks <laughs> for joining us on the show today. Thanks, Gene. It's my pleasure to be here. We've had uh, we. What I'd like to do with you in this informal setting is to maybe talk about your background, where you came from, where you are now, and where you're going. Some of the f- stuff that you and I have done together in full disclosure, and then I'm going to hit you straight out as a news reporter would with about a dozen key political questions, and I hope you use them with your associates or constituents in your neighborhood in the uh, Virginia area. I, I'm very hot on the political issues, and my plug would be, folks, if you're watching this, please subscribe to the Grassroots Truthcast, genevalentino.com. If you subscribe, we'll push episodes like this out to you every week by email instead of you surfing around to find it on the website. Let us just push it out to you weekly. Get online at www.genevalentino.com. Please subscribe. And if you hit the donate button, I know a guy sitting next to me, I may throw some of those bucks bucks to, and we'll get to that in a second. Bill, your background, where are you from? Sure, I, I grew up in North Guilford, Connecticut, and on a small family farm, and moved to Virginia in 1997 after graduating from Carnegie Mellon University. And what's your major in there? I, I majored in information and decision systems, and I got a, a Bachelor of Science degree. I studied software engineering and was was involved in 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 the college Republicans early on there, and you know, but stayed out of politics and and became a a businessman. I I joined a startup that was founded by three other Carnegie Mellon University grads, one of whom I worked with at the Pittsburgh Supercomputing Center when I was an under, undergraduate. And, uh, and where did your early life take you? Is it? I, I sense it was, from what I recall, it was a background in technology and related computer sciences. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was very, very early on in the, in the web 1.0 world, the dot-com world. And in, in the DC area, I worked with a lot of telecommunications companies and a lot of, and, and some government and some government consulting related opportunities as well. And how in God's green earth did you find your way into politics when you were doing so well with all this technology-based stuff? Well, you know, this is this has been a long process for me, and I started to see how broken our our political system was, and I started to think about ways in which we could bring it back to the the ideals 
of the founders of of our, our republic. You know, the the district that I'm running to represent is the district where Madison County, James Madison's historic family land, and Montpelier are are in the district, his his home, and you know. The kinds of things that he argued for in the, in the Federalist papers and the debates he had with Thomas Jefferson are are you know some are some of the things that inspired me, and I hope to you know make Congress a place where actual debate can happen, and you know I hope to make to make laws that benefit all of the citizens of the Commonwealth of Virginia, you know, and I hope that they are are simple and articulate laws that uh, that are are subject to a lot of debate you know bill why are you running against ms spanberger well abigail spanberger talks about being a centrist but i've looked at her voting record and her voting record tells a very different story you know she votes with you know the democrat the democrats almost all of the time there are a few agricultural votes that she goes against them but they are They've historically been safe votes for her to take. And, you know, she voted in in the last in this last term against H.R. 1, which was the the first the first bill that was brought up with the with the new Republican majority that would have made gas and diesel fuel affordable for all the farmers in her district. You know, and so I think that I think that her voting record is is starkly left, significantly left of center, and you know, the it's not it's not good for Virginia and for Virginians. Okay, and, so what kind of what kind of feedback are you getting from Virginians now? How how does it look for you in terms of input, not only from the Republicans but the crossover Democrats? Yeah, I'm 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 talking to a lot of voters in, in the district who are like me, fed up with Washington D.C. and and politics as as normal. They hate what's going on locally in the in the schools in Virginia, and they want to see changes. You know, and and you know, there's a there's a hunger to return back to a regular order in in the house and the senate and and vigorous debate and i hope to hope to be someone who can lead the charge in 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 passing legislation that will you know affect people and and free, freeing both businesses and and the citizens from overburdensome taxes and regulations that that are stifling the kinds of innovation that the united states that made the United States the, the greatest country in the world. You know, so many so many elected officials go into office with uh, grandiose schemes. And I'll put my, I, I plead guilty to, to, to that as well. You know, it's a situation where you your intentions are pure. You really do intend to do well, but you reach, you, you hit this tsunami. You hit this wall when you enter the door, come through the doors of Congress and you're expected to get along and go along and do your part to support some other cause of, in this case, republicanism that preceded you. So amidst the maze of a system which has its own encumbrances, Bill, how are you going to take forward? Give me your top three issues and how you're going to bring them forward. Yeah, I mean, my 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 top issue is, is taxation and 
the and overburdensome regulations, you know. And so what I think we need is I, I think we need a fairer and more simplified taxation system where both, you know, very, very wealthy people who are very creative with, with accounting and and big corporations who have who've gotten corporate welfare into the into our tax code can, you know, can can profit where, you know, mom and pop small businesses don't stand a shot, you know, and we know that these are 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 the engines of of innovation in this in our country and, and we need to do what we can to to make it a fairer okay. and, and freer system. Okay, that's number one, taxation modification. What's number two? Number two is is education and school choice. You know, I have a lot of friends who who have kids that are in in the school systems, and many of them say that if they could afford to, they would pull their their kids out of public school. You know, and you know, back you know, I'm I'm old enough to remember back when when schools used to teach people kids how to think, not what to think. You know, and it seems like political ideologies are something that that are, you know, topics for for discussion. And as Governor Yunkin said, I think parents matter in this in this world. And we've got to give we've got to give, you know, the poor parents who who are who are in failing school districts choices, you know, and we've got to support support charter schools and other other alternatives. And we've got to give them, you know, the benefit of being able to, to move their money when they move their their kids. But you're an economics guy. You're an entrepreneur. You've had your fair share of financial successes. And one of the things I thought you would have brought out is the stimulus government should provide to getting businesses back off the ground so that our supply chain network does not rely on China and relies on domesticated supply sources in the United States so we're not held hostage to China. You want to comment on that? Yeah, no, I I think now is now is the the time, you know, in a post-pandemic world where we were held hostage for things like where we couldn't get masks made here because our factories had had shuttered and those jobs were gone through through NAFTA and other bad policies. You know, I want to see us make things in in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And, you know, instead of figuring out ways of automating factories overseas that are owned by owned by uh, American companies, we need to figure out how to how to automate those factories in the U.S., you know, and create a whole new host of high tech jobs supporting manufacturing and and in, in enhancing our, our supply chain here. You know, Bill, we're going to come back to a lot more on economics and economic incentives. I believe the citizenry throughout the nation are begging for better jobs, better wages with less inflation, lower interest rate. And I'd like to talk to you about that. Folks, we're talking with Bill Mower. Bill Mower is running for the United States Congress House of Representative, Congressional District Number Seven in Virginia, and he's my guest because I've had some past business experience with him, and I look at him as part of the new generation of, of responsible, responsible people that are coming up through the ranks that haven't forgotten about what it is to be an American, what it is to be patriotic. 
and the respect and loyalty we should give for this nation. Bill's exemplifies, Bill personifies. He's done it through his actions, never mind his words, through his actions. In fact, on that point, your actions, you've, tell me about the William J. Mower Endowment for Paleontology. Yeah, so what, one of the things that, I, that, that I've been proud to do is, is have a, a strong involvement in the Calvert Marine Museum. I, I enjoy looking for fossils, and I've found and donated a number of number of fossils to the Calvert Marine Museum from the Calvert Cliffs in 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 Maryland. And I recently endowed a a fund with the Calvert Marine Museum to give the paleontologists there assets that they can use unencumbered by any by any by any strict rules. And allow them to do the kinds of things that will preserve science for, you know, and allow them to, you know, manage and and explore the collection that they have, you know, which is a world class collection from the from the Calvert Cliffs in Maryland. Okay, and now my turn. Let's have a rapid fire round. I'm going to hit you with a bunch of topics. Give me a minute of response on each item, and I'll move through about 10 of them. The first one is immigration and border security. Let's discuss what it means to have a strong strong border to prevent illegal activities and what else it means to you. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of, of protecting both the border towns and the interior of the, of, of the United States from from lawless migrants. You know, I think it's it is it's important for us to have, you know, a legal immigration system where we can where we can attract people. You know, I'm a I'm a a, a uh, you know, my, my 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 relatives came to this country like like everyone's. And, uh, you know, I enjoy, you know, the the fruits of having a uh, an immigration system where we can where we can close some of the the gaps that we have by attracting talent from from around the world, but it means that that we have to do do so with a legal system, and we can't have an open borders policy that accepts everyone. Okay, uh, next next item, real quick, Second Amendment rights. What does the whole Second Amendment mean to you? And how 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 strong will you stand behind that Second Amendment? Yeah, I'm I'm a huge supporter of the Second Amendment. My my father was a was a firearms manufacturer in in his later career, and and my grandfather built tools and accessories for the firearms industry in Connecticut. And my my great uncle was a was a was a gunsmith, and so. Guns are very important to me. I think that I think that you know the Second Amendment guarantees you know rights of gun ownership to individuals thanks to the DC versus Heller decision. And I had the privilege of meeting Dick Heller and and talking to him about about that. You know, I own a number of number of firearms. I've I've been hunting and and enjoy shooting for sport. And I want everyone else in in the Commonwealth of Virginia to have those same privileges. You know, this is, you know, it's a matter of safety in, in the, in the, in our communities to allow people to have guns and, and protect themselves. And I wouldn't consider any legislation that, that prevented that, 
you know, in the in the name of safety. I backed off on issues related to Joe and Hunter Biden. I plan to come back to that. But real quick on those two, what do you think of Biden's press to continue to try to get student loans forgiven and the impact that has on our economy and the good people who paid their debts? Yeah, I think there's it's fundamentally unfair to relieve relieve people of student loan debt at the expense of the people who who paid for those paid paid their loans off. You know, there's a whole host of reasons why college is as expensive as it is. And if if Congress were to get involved, they should get involved on attacking those reasons that make college unaffordable, you know. There, there are plenty of things that we can do without just simply forgiving, forgiving debt, and and I'm I'm happy to talk about all of those, all of those great ideas that are in there. Okay, like- throw out, throw out, throw out your contact information. I'm in the middle of a rapid fire, but folks, if you're wanting to reach Bill and to discuss any of your concerns over your issues, hopefully we're addressing some of them here today. Bill, how do they reach you? Yeah, so. You can you can send me an email at Bill Mower B I L L M O H E R at gmail.com. And my website is Bill Mower for Congress, F-O-R, Congress.com. And go there and you can subscribe to my newsletter and, and hear about all the issues that that are that I, I talk about during this campaign. And to- don't don't be so shy for crying out loud. He Bill needs a contribution <laughs> too. Give him a contribution and help him get his campaign into high gear. He's actually, quite frankly, with social media and everything going on today, folks, he is in high gear. It's amazing the amount of response you've gotten in Virginia CD7. I'm going to come back to the kind of positive feedback you're getting right now. Next item I have is you mentioned education before. Education in the context of what, Bill? Education in the context of critical race theory and wokeism tackle it baby yeah so you know i what we can't have people learning is you know a set of politically dubious charges that make certain people based on the color of their skin the the victimizers or the victims of of the society we we have the fairest and freest society you know we have you know we ha- we have a you know a checkered past and you know i think we need to talk about that, that checkered past but i don't think we can look at you know our history through the lens of today's society you know there you know we've made great strides in this in this in this country and i'm i'm proud of the of the progress we've made in in making this a better and more equal society but i don't think we can effectively judge people in the past based on standards that did not exist in in the past and so teach teach all of the history but you know we have you know in in virginia thomas jefferson Thomas Jefferson wanted to give more rights to to all all Americans and he did some tremendous things but he was a man of his time and he had you know a, a part of the original 13 colonies you know prevented him from making from making everyone everyone equals in the constitution and you know I'm grateful for what Republican 
President Abraham Lincoln did, you know, and I don't think that we should be pulling down statues of anyone ba- just simply based on how we judge them by by the standards of today. They didn't live in in they didn't live in today's times. And uh, you know, I think uh, I think if we forget if we forget our history, we are doomed to uh, to repeat it. And so uh, yeah. Yeah. You're talking about some issues that are really, I'm going to take a break in a, right now, but before we break away, folks, this is Bill Mower, candidate, Republican candidate for Congressional District Number 7 in Virginia. Please go to his website and find it in your hearts not only to subscribe to everything online, including his newsletter and other information, but provide him a contribution as well, if you would. Bill came to my attention as a podcast producer myself, and I thought he represented a flavor of the future. He caught my attention when he got on the national scene with some national celebrities, including Governor Youngkin. I think you ought to talk about that when we return. And I also think I'm going to hit you up with about five to ten more uh, position statements. I'm going to challenge you on some points, Bill, and let's see if we can, let's see if this helps the citizens of Virginia realize just how passionate, just how serious you are about winning this election. Gene Valentino here, and you're listening to the Grassroots Truthcast. We'll be back right after this. Gene Valentino's Grassroots Podcast he tells the truth. He tries to get information out there to make sure people make good, informed decisions. Hi, friends, and welcome back to our second half of our episode here with Republican candidate Bill Mower, Congressional District Number 7. He's running for the House of Representatives in the United States Congress. Welcome back, Bill. Pleased to be back, Gene. You know, just before we broke, you were in the middle of a few different issues I was challenging you on, but I really just want the folks to understand this is a very unique election. He's running up against um, a district that's more Democrat than Republican, but not by much in the scheme of things compared to the other congressional districts in Virginia. It's as about as neutral as it gets between Republican and Democrat, and Bill stands a very good chance of coming forward and 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 becoming your your next United States congressman, our next United States congressman. He's got a population of about 600,000 people, and surprisingly, about 500,000 of them are registered voters. Jeez, I wonder where all the kids are. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the, we were talking about education as one of your issues for those children's, uh, children, and one of my concerns was critical race theory, and the the woke ideology that's gotten so perverse, Bill. I mean, to me, I think there's a bigger picture in mind. I think there's something to do with distraction, deflection, and diversion of the your attention and mind, intended by China, to take yourself off the ball, off the real issues, and to have you spin on these sub issues which one is one is the d- disintegration of our educational system. I like before the break, you brought up the fact that you support a chartered school approach where parents can decide on their own whether to keep their child in the public school system. But here you, here you go. Will Congress support the notion of a rebate to that same parent 
for the taxes paid presumably on their property taxes for education, how does that parent get reimbursed if the if the if the student comes out of the standard public school system and goes into a chartered school system, an approved a private school system for a better education? If that's the parent's choice, they shouldn't be paying for education twice. That that's right. Yeah, I think I think that the, the way that we have the system set up today, there are you know the the money should follow the student, and the money should follow the student into whatever school their parents think is right for them, be it a home school or be it a charter school. You know, and and there are a lot of cooperative homeschool programs in in Virginia. You know, there are there are fantastic places to to you know to get kids educated and places where each kid can have and find success. Yeah, but is the parent getting rebated in some way for the extra fee they now have to pay to get them into that private program? Yeah, I, I think we need to we need to look at whatever means we can do to make those fees deductible on their federal taxes and you know figure out a way that can where we can get the kids the greatest the greatest outcome you know at the end of the day you know we're only as good as the next generation of workers that that we have in this country that's right we we need the we need the outcome the outcome of the education to be our 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 only the only thing we care about Hey, does yeah. that opponent of yours behind you care? Have you heard any information from her of her willingness to step up and do the same? Yeah, I there. I have not seen a, a concerted effort by any Democrats around disrupting the the teachers union stranglehold on on public education. And you know, I think we need. I think we need to look at every idea that that can work to the benefit of students. Okay, switching gears slightly. Big tech, free speech. What's big tech? That they cannot influence government and government cannot influence big tech weeks before an election to sway public opinion for or against a candidate. It seems to have existed admittedly through testimony in Congress recently. That testimony referred to the Trump election of 2020, in which information came out just days and weeks prior to the election against Trump, which proved to be a false narrative and and a diatribe of just wrong representations on Donald Trump. What is the penalty in your opinion? What should Congress craft to penalize people personally, not just institutions they're they're working for, for that behavior. Yes. Yeah. I I think that we need to make political speech something that is fundamentally protected. And we need to find ways of protecting all speech. You know, you know, there shouldn't be there. Well, remember in the. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I th- I'm getting some feedback, Gene. I don't know if you're you're hearing it as well. I am not. Sorry. Go ahead. So, you know, I think in the same way that 
some of the civil rights legislation protected public accommodations. I think we need to, you know, I think our First Amendment has strong protections today, but it 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 doesn't enforce those protections on private companies. And the problem with the large the large monoliths that are in in technology is that if they can just take a site down, you know, where else can you go to to get that information? And so I think we need to pass laws that make political speech, you know, a special class of of speech <laughs> its its protection. One of the biggest concerns I have is that media has engaged with government and government has engaged with media. Said differently, the right to free speech is so absolute by the nature of our First Amendment of the Constitution, but cannot any right be abused. And my concern here is, do you have any ideas in mind about what we can do to protect free speech and the purity of it both for the individual and the institutions. But in the same light, penalties be imposed for the wrongdoing of free speech, the misuse of free speech, to steer a narrative, a Russian hoax, the ability to sweep certain things under the rug as if they never existed in one sense, and then the ability to exacerbate a point that turns out to have no basis in fact but steers the attention of the public away from the truth. Any comments about that? Yeah, I, I think that that anything that the government does to suppress speech acts should be should be dealt with severely. You know, I think we need to establish you know causes of action against people who abuse the power. You know, that there are limits on speech. You know, but. I wouldn't defend somebody's right to yet to scream fire in a crowded theater, but you know, there the, you go. The things that there you go. Congress has been, or the, the things that the federal government has been doing are, are not to protect, protect people's rights there. They are to protect, protect their, their own narrative, you know, and the dangers that exist so so to that point right there, Bill, to that point right there, what's the solution? You and I can whine about the problems all day long, Mr. Congressman. What are you going to do to fix that? Yeah, again, I think we need to we need to categorize political speech as highly protected and we need to have, you know, civil and criminal penalties for the suppression of political speech. You know, and and the civil you mean to say civil and criminal penalties for the injury caused from free speech. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. And that is excluded under the law now with politicians and government. New York Times versus Sullivan, 1968, prevented a fire, a police chief from suing the New York Times at the Supreme Court ruled that. Sorry, buddy, you're you're a public figure. You have no right to sue the New York Times unless you can prove it's malice, which is nearly impossible to prove. 
but I think there has to be some media responsibility these days because of the morphing since 1968. There was no such thing as social media back then, the internet, the way we know it today, high-speed travel, Zoom calls like this that allow us to do an interview on the fly didn't exist back then. So I think what what I would suggest if I as a citizen asking you to represent me is that you look to the Constitution and secure a few key amendments to help protect this nation, such as one day to vote, not three months prior to vote. How about that? Yeah, I think I think that, you know, I think there are many things that we can do, you know, to codify codify our laws by by doing amendments you know i think that we've been chilled to the the idea of of amending our constitution and i think by deferring to the supreme court and and failing to failing to exercise our legislative responsibilities and deferring to this huge bureaucratic state that we have you know in the name of progressivism you know the Congress delegated some of its lawmaking lawmaking powers because it was thought that that the administrative state can can do some of that work. We've seen with decisions that have, have come down recently that uh, the EPA, for instance, can't can no longer pass sweeping regulations. And if we want if we want those sweeping regulations, we've got to get them through as law. We're talking with Bill Mower, candidate for Congress in CD7, Congressional District 7. He's running as a Republican in the central region of Virginia. And we hope you're willing to step up and maybe make a contribution to his campaign. At the very least, Bill, give them your campaign, your contact information so they can ask you more about your campaign. Sure. It is Bill Mower, B-I-L-L-M-O-H-E-R-F-O-R, congress.com. And what are you doing gnawing at the uh, at the side of your opponent behind you in that picture, Ms. Spamberger? I, I guess, is she aware that you're going after her and where you stand on these issues? She should be. I've, I've been been talking throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia and and in social media about her record. You know, if if she wants to maintain the illusion that she's a centrist, I am more than happy to talk about her voting record and talk about the things that she's done that no centrist candidate should should support you know there bill in your district in your district you you also have you also have two pretty strong military bases the quantico and dahlgren obviously a very important training ground for many of those in all crossing all aspects of the military and national security. My question is, in the context of what we've given to Ukraine for funding, where do you stand on continued support for Ukraine? How should we support you, Ukraine? And that'll lead up to my next question. Go for it. Sure. So, you know, I, I'm i not a non-interventionalist. I don't think that, I think that there are, there's tremendous war crimes that are, that are occurring in in Ukraine but I don't think we can give those leaders a blank check. 
You know, I think we need to have a measured response to how we fund this conflict, you know, and, you know, I'm I'm not a hawk, but I am a I'm a fiscal hawk. I think that we can't afford to continue to send precious dollars away from our economy and into this conflict if we don't if we don't have a pathway to victory, you know, out, outlined, you know. There there would uh, you support would you support a balanced budget amendment? Absolutely. So you'd support a, a more refined approach to how we vote, a balanced budget amendment. Where do you stand on Trump's position about pulling out of, if he's elected as president, uh, pulling out of Ukraine literally overnight, the way he's talking? Look, I, I think whatever we do militarily and with foreign policy, we have to look at the look at the consequences, the abrupt pullout from Afghanistan, I think was a mistake. I think if we had just started driving the the weapons that we were leaving there out of the country, you know, six over six months, we would have a better a better outcome. You know, we can't we can't afford to do anything drastic when it comes to when it comes to our, our armed forces, you know, and we have to we have to understand all of the implications of what being in a conflict means and what and what drawing down from that that conflict means i you know i i look to some of the lessons that we learned in in the first cold war you know these things are are marathons are not sprints and so you know we need to have a we need to have a a very sensible approach to how we how we support how we support the organizations that exist in in Ukraine and this is not a simple conflict you know there 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 are you know we need to ask more of of the, our european partners in this conflict they're the ones who are who are so dependent on ukraine as a as a breadbasket for for europe and we can't we can't afford to shoulder the burden for for our European partners exclusively. Yeah. You know, Bill, I, I remember, well, I wasn't there. I was not even born yet, but post-World War II. But we as Americans and our national pride and our image was to spread the good tidings of democracy to the rest of the world. And we did set, we did so not in a hostile way or a takeover way. We did it through benevolence. And long before NATO was formed, post-World War II, I mean, we had the Berlin Airlift, we had the Marshall Plan, we were doing things to support our European allies, then came NATO. So to me, do you think NATO is the precursor in accepting Ukraine in before we decide to help Ukraine out? Or could Ukraine just be someone we approach directly instead of giving them bombs? Why don't we give them the similar kind of money for financial incentives to start building chip manufacturing companies that Taiwan is about to lose to China? Yeah, I, I think there, there are many different things that we can do to, to help Ukraine and to help rebuild rebuild their, their country. But, you know, again, I think we need to look at rebuilding our own country first 
you know, and there are empty factories in, in Virginia where I want chip manufacturing jobs to go before I look at bringing those factories to, to Ukraine. Good point. Very good point. That's, that is the answer in my opinion. And I'm glad you answered it that way. I think before we reinstate our benevolence to the rest of the world, that we stop being taken for fools and get our borders secured, our budget balanced, an election process that makes sense. And I've listened to you talk to me directly. Folks, I've listened to Bill talk to me directly, and he has clearly expressed this opinion, although he's a he's a little calmer today for some strange reason, but <laughs> but he's he's quite he's quite the leader and quite capable. His entrepreneurial background, which he has talked talk the least about, impresses me the most, his consulting background with Microsoft. You want to talk about that just to jump? Sure, yeah. I've, I've spent about the last 25 years helping firms in all kinds of industries adopt technology and and, and adopt a, a digital, you know, a digital strategy, you know, and uh, taking taking everything that I that I've learned in that in that effort you know I I hope to I hope to take that same engineering discipline that I applied to these business problems and apply it to the problems that we face in our in our Congress you know and jumping and jumping on you real quick before we run out of time what's your feeling about the undocumented illegals in fact reportedly over 100 terrorists? from foreign nations, not not Mexico, including Chinese slipping in on our southern border. What are you going to do about this in, invasion to our southern border? Never mind the insurrection on January 6th. What about the invasion on our southern border? Look, yeah. I, I think that our next president needs to focus very exclusively on this problem. You know, I think Governor Yunkin did a very brave thing of sending sending our our National Guard, the Virginia National Guard, down to down to the Texas border. I would support efforts to engage our military in stopping this in stopping this invasion. You know, I think we need to look at the odd swath of people that are that are that are marching across our our borders, and and seek out criminals that intend on doing us harm you know, and, and get them out of this country and, and back to their home country, because, you know, we can't be a nation if we, if we're just subject to an open and porous and porous border. It's, it's unkind to, to the refugees that, that are, that are coming here legally and to our, our own American citizens to, to have an open border policy you know, and we certainly can't afford to do that and provide all the services that, that yeah. our own citizens need. Bill, my my grandparents, God rest their souls, came in legally. They were Italian immigrants and Irish immigrants, but they came in legally and they contributed to making this nation the great nation it is. I don't think any of us are against immigration. In fact, we welcome it as a component. After all, after all we are a, a melting pot of the world. But I, I agree with you. We need to do it legally. And my biggest concern, which I will ask you to address when you're elected congressman, is 
you know, we may not be able to wait till the next election to get rid of folks. And the impeachment process is so encumbered. I I would ask you to consider a mechanism that allows us to do away with bad be- the, those elected officials and official and his, and their staff, the bureaucrats, some of whom have been in office 40 years, have been on the job 40 years, to that there be a remedy or a mechanism for their immediate removal when we see things being done wrong. Our society is moving so quick today. I think we need a faster mechanism in place that our outdated government just, you know, the Constitution is a beautiful animal with our uh, amendments, but we need to make sure it's more responsive and more immediate when we recognize wrongdoing. And I think that's part of what's captured everybody's attention right now. We're caught up in the six o'clock news watching issues that shouldn't be in the news. The big issues to us, like jobs, lower cost of living, interest rates, inflation, incentives to grow within the United States instead of sitting home taking a COVID check on on the couch are, to me, the major issues. So uh, I close asking you to keep those issues in mind when you're elected. And I, uh, to the citizens watching, this, this journalist is strongly supporting Bill Mower, Republican for the United States Congress District, Congressional District Number 7 in Virginia. Please contact him. Your contact information again, Bill, is? BillMowerForCongress.com. BillMowerForCongress.com. Give Bill a, a, a call or contact him through the website. And this has been one of the other, one of the many episodes that we've done on Gene Valentino's Grassroots Truthcast. I pick certain political and social figures out from time to time and focus on, do a hot, deep dive on, on that particular person. We're doing it today with Bill Mower in Virginia. Thank you, Bill, for joining us. This has been a pleasure. Thank you, Gene. It's always always a, a pleasure to hear your hear your views and and to support them. And I'm hoping that I'm hoping that I can land in Congress and and do it there. A lot of people, when they get to know you, Bill, the way our family has, will will genuinely be honored to have you working to protect America and that flag. Thank you for joining us, Bill. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for Gene Valentino's Grassroots Truthcast. Be sure to like and subscribe, and God bless America.